gentlemen. Hello again and welcome back to Don't Worry About the Government. My name is Chris Novembrino. I am checking my microphone. I am checking it twice. We're going to make sure my mic is nice and not naughty this week here on the episode of Don't Worry About the Government because Santa Claus is coming to town. It's the 4th of July. It's Christmas in my heart. This is basically like American Christmas for me. Joining me on the show here to celebrate America's Christmas is Dan Carpenter. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Chris. I'm doing well. Are you filled with the spirit? I had I had my uh, I had the traditional Fourth uh, of July spaghetti and meatballs today. I, I know you're having your traditional Fourth of July turkey, so it's a uh, it's a it's a very festive day all over. You know, I, I like to think that this is a very Dallas, like my neighborhood, Fourth uh, of July turkey uh, sauce thing that I made here because I, I had various vegetables that needed to be used in my fridge. I used a jar of sauce and I needed some meat. So I went to the corner here and got a smoked turkey leg uh, that fell off the damn bone. It is uh, it's fantastic. It mushed right in beautifully with the sauce uh, and uh it, it filled my heart with the flavor of America on this 4th of July, which is uh, like a really damn good smoked turkey leg. Yeah. Hell yeah. So a um, lot of news here this week, including a sleeper story late on Friday night to send us off for the holiday weekend, which we'll get here. Uh, this is this is one that like if you didn't read the headlines for over the weekend and like not many people had a reason to, because most people are out and about and, you know, celebrating coronavirus being over, which for those of you on the video feed, watching on patreon.com slash DWATG air quotes and pulled collars on coronavirus is over. Um, Delta vi- variant, very real. Uh, I should have kept that story about the Delta variant up here, um, here in here in Sonoma County. We are back to levels of hospitalization at back to the same level as ho- of hospitalization for coronavirus as we had in March prior to widespread uh, vaccine uh, distribution, which is shitty. <laughs> That's really interesting. So nationwide, I did see this week uh, cases are down under 20,000. Which is it? I, I it seems like a thousand years ago at this point was sort of where I would feel good about going back out again. Um, and good again being put in quotes here. Like I still that's still like at mask up levels. Like for me, like it would need to be like five two thousand to five thousand to feel like yeah, I don't need them. You know, like what well, I have a vaccine. You don't really need a mask at this point. Uh, I'm still masking up. Like I, I, I've met, I went to the gas station earlier, masked up. Uh, no, I, I'm still wearing my mask. But it's interesting to hear you say that the numbers in your locale have spiked that quickly, and it makes it seems to be the case that this Delta variant is going to be pretty muscular. Um, and to that point. Biden has been able to get 67% of adults to at least get the first dose of the vaccine. I, I, you know, maybe I'm framing that the wrong way, but Biden set a goal of 70% by July 4th. It's July 4th. Like you will probably hear fireworks outside my window here all night. Cause uh, we're doing them here in Dallas. Fireworks are very banned here in, uh, in 
most of Sonoma County, pr- particularly my town and the the surrounding areas, they are they are banned. I mean, they're not allowed. Well, <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I would expect <laughs> as much from Dallas. <laughs> uh, dude, I mean. We had them. We had them going here last night, in spite of them being prohibited and it literally being like an existential threat for everyone around them. One thing when I was doing the news roundup this week uh, that has struck me, not on the slate, was just how many wildfires um, are going on all over the planet right now. It's not like the whole planet is burning, but like. There was, uh, I was doing my world news roundup. It was like, Cyprus has wildfires. Uh, there's wildfires in Northern Canada. Um, th- there's like a lot of places that you wouldn't necessarily expect big fires in, or don't sound like big fire places that are having big fires right now. The um, more, sign, sign all the times. The more energy we add to these weather systems, the more, the more lightning, like ground lightning strikes there's going to be. Like it's, it's the, these weather, like what, what would, ordinarily be a nice summer shower is going to be a much larger thunderstorm like maybe including hail like uh they're all of these all of these things are getting very intense yeah like people have been saying they would for 40 years uh the one thing this week uh we did get a nice global warming meme here of the fire burning in the ocean uh, from the Gulf of Mexico, uh, this is run by a Mexican-owned petroleum company. So the, the government of Mexico, Pemex, I believe, is the company um, owned by the the state. And uh, yeah, it's burning. And you have like these three boats around there, feebly trying to put fire on. And it really does sort of symbolize to me like man's attempt to control global warming. Like we, we create these problems. And then we feebly go out there and try to fix them. Yeah. The, I, I also, the, there was, I feel like there was some euphemistic coverage around that, particularly the, every, if everything was about the fire has been extinguished, the fire has been extinguished, not, not stating whether or not they went and fixed the massive leaking gas pipeline in the bottom of the uh, Gulf of Mexico. No, that's probably still that's probably still definitely leaking. It's just no longer on fire. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like we haven't heard anything or, like, or seen any sort of video. Like, pumped, I mean, if you remember, they, they oh. diverted nitrogen through it to to help put the help put the fire out. I'm doubting any of the like any kind of cleanup or any uh, any capping, any containment has been undertaken by Pemex. I, I mean. I have, I'm not a big seafood eater, but following the uh, Deepwater Horizon incident back in uh, 2012, I mean, I, I basically was like, I'm not, I'm never going to eat shrimp from the Gulf of Mexico yeah. ever again. That's yeah, that's it, really yeah. that really that hits your market a lot, a lot more than it would mine, for instance. And, and, and this this one same thing, like 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 this this really just sort of codifies. I will never eat fucking shrimp from the Gulf of Mexico ever again. Like, uh, I may eat shrimp again, but like it will be 
like when I move to like if I move to Maine, I will eat shrimp from the North Atlantic because you, you, I don't have to sit there and go like, oh, what about those oil spills in the Gulf? Like, you know, that shrimp would be from the North Atlantic. Maybe it'll, it'll have its own problems or whatever. And you'll have to, I'll find out about those. But um, it, we, you don't have these two glaring ones that have made international news. All right, so let's kick it off with uh, the best way to kick off Independence Day, a, a remembrance of Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, I, it, for those who go to patreon.com slash DWATG, I'm going to get my plug in here. You're going to see the slate, which features this bizarre and yet also fantastic Ben Garrison cartoon. I am going to uh, throw it up here. Look at look at this thing. Ben Ben Garrison is smoking on that shit that killed Donald Rumsfeld. I, I mean, like, there, there's so much going on in this cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have stared at this for an extended period of time. Uh, Garrison, of course, makes sure to take that extra Ben Garrison step and finger Donald Rumsfeld for 9-11 as well as the Iraq War. Uh, you know, because Gar- Garrison's like, actually pretty low-key conspiratorial like he's pretty new world ordery i really wanted some like names on saint peter's book and then or like some some i was i was looking to see if there was uh something in small uh small point there but the the other thing is it's a big book like you would think ben garrison's exactly the type of person who thinks that like most people are fucking horrible people and would never make it into heaven and only like the minute few people who fit into garrison's worldview a list of six names saint peter does it on his fingers yeah exactly um all right uh any thoughts on rummy uh broadly speaking i mean good good retins i i I, uh he had a, a long and storied career from the from i believe the ford administration all like he he was involved in uh just chicanery for for decades i'm i'm glad he i'm glad to have not heard about him for a very long time and i'm glad to hopefully never hear about him again um i echo all of that like john rumsfeld's actual career is one that deserves broad scorn that being said and i like this is not about to turn around into some sort of weird disqualification of like don't worry donald rumsfeld's actually great no um one thing i will say about this guy that has actually forever altered my way of thinking about things is his idea of there being known knowns known unknowns known unknowns and or unknown knowns and unknown unknowns. Um, this idea of dividing knowledge into four different discrete chunks. Like as someone who like studied Karl Popper and and got really into like the how do we know wing of philosophy back in college. Uh, Rumsfeld, uh, as someone I always viewed as like a deep political enemy, when he like threw this like sort of idea down. I, it, it's very heady um, and it's a very sort of like, I mean, yes, it's funny to go unknown, no, 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 unknown. Like it, it, that you can make fun of how you keep repeating the same two words or you can like engage with this idea that there are things that we actually know 
and we know that we know them. Like, like we have facts and we verified those facts. Um, there are things that we actually know based off of all the knowledge that we have here. And we just don't realize that we have that. Essentially, it's, it's not discovered yet, but it's, it's things that we actually already know. Um, we have, yeah, we have it all. We have it all sitting there. We just haven't pareidolia pareidolia it together. We haven't seen seen the pattern in the the waving grass. Yeah, um, we have we have the things that we know that we don't know about yet. Um, which I, there are all sorts of things. Like I, I mean, we can apply this to our own life. Suppose you have. Uh, a significant other who disappears on the weekend for large hours of time um and you can't get a hold of them uh and, and you know like that would be a known unknown you know that you can't get a hold of this person what you don't know yet is what is it that they've been up to and why won't they talk to you about it um that would be a known unknown um and then you have the unknown unknown um which would be like this person's actually dracula like, like what you don't realize is that like this person is you know actually from another planet or is like a super lot you know what not I'm getting jokey about it but like he he blocks knowledge into these four tracks and, and i found it a really useful matrix to understand any number of problems up to and including recent episodes uh like, like and, and like that's one thing about rumsfeld and his weird contribution to American politics that, like, I think will persist um, beyond all of the other horrible real-world effects. Like, that thinking, I think, will stick with us for a long time because it's a very sort of clear way of thinking about problems. He he exists in, I mean, that, that philosophical bit um, or that uh, me- metaphysical bit, I guess that would be, that's like a metaphysical... Exercise or yeah, theory yeah. theory of knowledge. Um he he exists for me in a in a pantheon of uh very intelligent individuals whom I wholeheartedly dislike with most of my being, along with like R- Richard Nixon, like was not a dumb guy. Henry Kissinger, not a dumb guy. Do I really think that uh there are a lot of people in the world that wish they were not or had not been for the extent that they were. Yeah. Like the, they're, they can be both uh, very intelligent and, or very uh, their, their analysis wasn't always wrong. They just oftentimes made the most monstrous decisions with that information. Yeah. I, I guess. Or made more monstrous decisions than I would have liked. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just I I guess I have like a weird grudging respect for anyone who can take philosophy and actually apply it in the real world, because I always find that to be like the philosopher's burden, especially the political philosopher's burden. You sit in your freaking classroom and you think about this, that and the way things ought to be um, and have a really hard time actually enacting it in the real world. Um, and, and, And in that to that extent. And also because I do think like the four blocks are kind of maybe fundamentally correct ways of thinking about knowledge. Um, Yeah. I'm not like rest in peace, Donald Rumsfeld. I just like, I wanted to note that. Cause like, I I mean, that was a very, it was a very incisive or very uh, 
incisive? Is that what I'm looking for? Insightful comment that he uh, that he made to justify some real bullshit. I know that's a really crazy like, thing too. Is he just sort of threw that out there, and it was like this really pro- at the time too. The press was making fun of it, like, "Oh yeah, that's like no, actually, that's like that's kind of heady shit." <laughs> what he's doing that's bullshit. Yeah, like, like yeah, it was prime like, prime sophistry, shit. prime sophistry. Like, have you yeah, ever? Yeah, hey guys, I know you're real concerned about like the escalating war and whatever, but have you ever considered about what you don't know? Do you, how do you yeah, know okay, what you so, don't know? So the man. history lesson here, for those who don't remember, is that he was using this in defense of like we need to invade Iraq to get the weapons of mass destruction. So like with the unknown unknown is where the weapons of mass destruction are, how many of them they have. I think we had um, we had already gotten some reports about like difficulties in finding them. Like the 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 uh the dog wagging effort had had failed a little bit. So so the things we knew we knew is that like Saddam theoretically like in a blue sky world where like you could just wave a magic wand like Saddam would, they would obviously want new weapons. Yeah, we, like, knew, like, we knew we gave him weapons of mass destruction in the 80s. What happened to them since? That is a, uh, an, a known unknown. That's a known unknown. That's a known unknown. We know there are oh, weapons yeah. of mass destruction. We don't know what he did with them other than some stuff with the Kurds. Yeah, uh, and horrible, yeah, we, horrible stuff with the Kurds. <laughs> Not to yeah. some stuff. Chemical warfare. The unknown known is: d- Does Saddam still want these weapons? Is he trying to get them now? And the unknown unknown is: If he has them, where are they hiding? Uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, that that's the thing with Rumsfeld is it, 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 underneath this is or more. You can more. I, I guess he, here's the other lesson. Donald Rumsfeld is the perfect lesson how philosophy can be twisted to do really like horrible things and and good philosophy can be twisted to justify really, really bad political thinking, um, really bad political actions and stuff. I mean, that was that was the whole. Yeah, it's a. he was he was a very good sophist. He he really uh, he really got down on his on his BS. It's almost like he went to law school. All right. So next, uh, I was about to go like, well, Donald Rumsfeld, uh, but Donald Rumsfeld, uh, the Supreme court here is setting the table for the next term. And boy, do I not feel good about things? Uh, cause they, they left a bad taste in my mouth here. I'm going to read three bits of headlines and then we will discuss Supreme Court upheld a pair of restrictive election laws in Arizona, overturning a lower court ruling that found the laws discriminated against minority voters. The Arizona laws invalidate ballots that are cast in the wrong precinct and the ban known as ballot harvesting in which third party community groups or campaigns collect and return other people's ballots. Democrats argued that the data showed that the restrictions disproportionately affected voters of color, which would be a violation of the Voting Rights Act. Writing for the majority, Sam Alito said that the law requires, quote, equal openness to the voting process and that, quote, a mere inconvenience cannot be enough to demonstrate a violation of the law. Um, Next, in another ruling, the Supreme Court struck down a California law that required charities and nonprofits to disclose their top donors. Under the law, the tax-exempt groups 
are required to report the names and addresses of all donors who give more than $5,000 or 2% of organizational total do- or of the organization's total donations. Conservative groups challenged the state disclosure agreements. They did this with Americans for Prosperity, saying the information was protected under the First Amendment's freedom of association and that the disclosure could lead to harassment. Uh, for those of you who remember the old ruling where Kennedy wrote about how money could be free speech. One of the things that Kennedy said is that we could see who was doing the speaking. And so in this sense, it is like not hidden free speech. Like it, it is, th- there's a way to actually monitor that. And now, of course, this conservative court is coming back around and striking that down. Um, conservative groups challenged the state disclosure agreements. Oh, I got didn't, to that already. Didn't, uh, uh, didn't Kavanaugh write the opinion on that one? Ooh, I, you know what? That's not in my blurb here, but he very well might have. Um, that's, and, and, that's, and some, it, that's some drama. <laughs> uh, I mean, Alito writing the other the yeah. other one, uh, you know, like it really makes you worry. OK, if John Roberts, God help us, leaves the court, Sam Alito could theoretically be the chief justice of the Supreme Court at some point. Um, and that is a very, very, very scary Supreme Court. You do not want a Sam Alito Chief Justice Supreme Court because like he will he will move that conservative block so right and he will he will he Roberts is a true believer. But yeah, no. Yeah, it's it'd be bad. Um last. This sounds like good news, but it's about to be bad news. I'll explain why here in a second. I, I would no no fun on Independence Day. The Supreme Court justice Clarence Thomas suggested that federal laws against the sale and cultivation of marijuana may no longer make sense. As the court declined to hear the appeal of a Colorado medical marijuana dispensary that was denied federal tax breaks. Thomas, one of the most conservative justices on the court, wrote that, quote, prohibition of marijuana may no longer be necessary or proper to support the federal government's piecemeal approach. And Thomas added that, quote, the federal government's current approach is half in, half out as a regime, and that simultaneously forbids and tolerates the local use of marijuana. So essentially, Thomas is saying the table is saying that he'd be okay to send weed back to the states. And here's what I worry about, Dan, that they're going to want to send something else back to the states at the same time, and that other thing they'll send back to the states will be abortion. Yeah. Um, and so voting rights is, and everything that they possibly can. Uh, so this, that that's an interesting point, too. H.R. 1 becomes a an interesting law for them, I think, to pass specifically to have the court test it. Um, I, I think I think it would be very clarifying um, as an exercise. It's it's. What are, I don't want to be like, let's gonna do? Go the back and, here. I'm saying go let's back test and, the court here. Are they going to go back and strike down the Voting Rights Act? Or like... Let, let, let's heat check them on this. You know I what I mean? No, I don't want to heat check them because it might come out the wrong... It's, there's a good chance it's going to come out the wrong way. To, it's going to. It's like... This is... Don't let them know. If, they, if, we stand real, if we stand real still, they won't they won't see the voting rights. The Americans for Prosperity Challenge... Um, that I think alone tells you how this is going to play out from now on. You're going to have Alec 
Americans for Prosperity, Citizens United style cases coming up through this conservative court pipeline. And when they come up through the conservative court pipeline, there will be with this 6-3 majority, the ability for them to play the media and play the Sunday talk show circuit with this, ooh, Gorsuch broke away here. Oh, Clarence Thomas signaled that he's open to doing this over here. Um, and occasionally you'll have two conservative justices, but it's still, it's the same thing I'm going to grouse about with Joe Manchin here. It's a form of gatekeeping. And it's them positioning themselves as a gatekeeper. And in this case, they're throwing just enough carrots and just enough little narrative breadcrumbs to set the table for what they really are there to do, which is send Roe versus Wade back to the states. Um, like they are there to strike down abortion. It is. It was the deal that conserv- like fundamentalist Christian conservatives made with their Mike Pence and Donald Trump, like there have been so many political deals made within the Republican Party around the conservative Christian fundamentalist um, evangelical movement here that it it would beggar belief to imagine this court not ultimately sending Roe versus Wade back to the states and making abortion effectively illegal as federal law. I, as, as apolitical and above the politics as they're, they're allegedly supposed to be, I, I, I think, tells me so. I think it'll, I think it'll be, oh, uh, I think it'll be, um, it'll be more death by a thousand cuts here. Like they're gonna, I mean, throw, I guess that's what throwing it back to the States is. They're not like the, the Supreme court isn't going to like say like all right we're overturning Roe versus wade and making abortion illegal nationwide like it'll get thrown back to the states and it'll be a local issue um but i i i couldn't see them doing it all at once i couldn't couldn't see and not until they're not going to make that ruling until 2023 that's interesting (laughs) they're not going to do it they're not going to do it before the midterms they saw the way that that worked out like, see, here's the thing. They might, you, they have, might, you have these, they might not do it until these 20, enterprising governors. They might not do it till 2025. Like, I could see them punting. I don't think of Ken Paxton, for example. Like, like, look at the Florida AG. Look at the Texas State AG. Paxton in particular, like, and especially with Alan West now running for, for governor and stuff. I mean, like, there's a real crazy streak here in Texas, and Texas is really happy to take the lead here in Republican politics. I think you do see this get to the court. And here's the other thing that the 6-3 majority allows for that's scary, cert. Because with cert, you need four. Um, and, and, and now, like, you'll have Alito. You have, theoretic on this one, Amy Coney Barrett, for sure, yeah. is guaranteed cert vote. So is Kavanaugh. So now it's like, okay, Roberts is maybe a no on this. Sure. Gorsuch? Uh, and, and then, of course, our friend, Clarence Thomas. <laughs> That's four. You've got four to get this thing. And, and, and I think Thomas, too, seeing the finish line in his judicial career, does want to deliver this. Um, the one wild card here is Clarence Thomas. And if they wait too long on this, um, they, they, have, they have a timetable on this. And Clarence Thomas... Could Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the conservatives here, 
um, well, and swing this back to a 5-4 majority. Well, speaking, or, or, speaking of – Or swing it back to a 5-4 conservative slight majority. Speaking of, uh, speaking of not seeing or seeing the end of one's judicial career, uh, uh, Justice Breyer picking up a full slate of uh, clerks for the next term. Uh, what, I hate this what, guy. I hate what the hell is he thinking, so Chris? Much. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And like everyone who I for some reason thought I was like picking on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I hope Justice Breyer makes it really clear that I just hate this action and it does not matter who you are, that you should not be doing this, that this is clearly wrong. And it's even more wrong now that RBG demonstrated just months ago, not even one year ago, how wrong it was. It's even more wrong now. So actually I hate Breyer more. I think Breyer, like Breyer, he sucks. I hate this guy. Was it Politico or the Atlantic that, had the that literally wrote the same story like don't pressure ruth bader ginsburg to retire or like it's messed up to pressure ruth bader ginsburg to retire they did the exact they got a different journalist but it was the the same publication i i'm i'm i don't have it in front of me but it was either the atlantic or politico i'm inclined to say the atlantic but i i i can't (laughs) i can't stand it like 80 there's Most businesses would see no reason to have an 80-plus-year-old CEO, and I don't know, especially those who think that we should run government like a business, right? I don't Like, like why would we have an 80-year-old CEO? Uh, It it just, it it just, it beggars belief. Um, Because they got blackmail on the rest of the board. Um, So actually, okay. Let me let me kick it to the slate here because that that gets us into a, a story that I think is worth bringing up here now. Oh, I do have it next. Um, the White House calls Shikari Richardson quote an inspiring woman, but stops short of opposing the suspension. Press Secretary Jen Psaki called suspended U.S. Sprinter Shikari Richardson quote an inspiring woman on Friday, but did not call the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency or did not call on the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency to reverse its decision disqualifying her from competing in the 100-meter dash at the Tokyo Olympics, saying quote this was an independent decision made by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency and not a decision that would be made by the U.S. government as is appropriate, and we will certainly leave them the space and the room to make their decisions about anti-doping policies that need to be implemented. Saki said, when asked if President Joe Biden wants to see Richardson be able to represent the United States in the Tokyo Olympics, Saki added that Richardson is, quote, an inspiring woman who has been through a lot in her personal life, and that she is one of the fastest women in the world, quote, and that's an important part of this story as well. Meanwhile, the worst person you know, Matt Gates, the modern-day millennial Roy Moore, said earlier on Friday, uh, Dan, these quotes, I, like, I cannot believe that Matt Gates is about to make several really, really strong points nearly word-perfect in a row. I hate that I'm about to have to read this, but I have to read this. Matt Gates said earlier on Friday that he opposes Sprinter Richardson's suspension over a positive marijuana test, pushing Joe Biden to do the same. Quote, the press who love to bathe in the intersectionality of race, gender, sports, should ask Joe Biden if he believes Shakari Richardson should be barred from representing America for using a drug legal in most states that doesn't impact performance. Matt Gates added, I sure as hell don't. Later Friday afternoon, Gates 
highlighted the generational divide over marijuana policy by tweeting an AP story with the snarky comments, okay, boomers, quote, how come nobody's asking Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for their perspective on this? American athlete who is not able to represent our country because of a substance that doesn't impact performance and is illegal in most of our states. Referencing the woke press, what's wrong with America? What has happened to us? Like, are we simultaneously so woke and tied up in cancel culture that we wouldn't allow this woman to represent our country. Uh, this is, uh, it, it's it's like, uh, it, it's a nightmare. Uh, Joe Biden has just like went out of his way to be absolutely awful on this particular issue. Uh, absolutely. When uh, these, these are the kinds of things that you kind of run into when you uh, don't really want to be like ideologically consistent or uh have a have a, a cohesive policy beyond uh like a um focus testing okay so so here is where which, I which we- on those numbers they are underwater on this position <laughs> I should say. So, so this is where this is where we have the, the the disagreement, or maybe I'll move you around my position relatively quickly here. I think Joe Biden authentically believes this, and I think we have like a particular, bo- like a fairly striking body of evidence that this is this is like um, Obama on gay marriage, where you will earnestly have to like move him on this, and you'll never actually fully. I think Obama finally changed his mind. I don't know that Joe Biden will ever change his mind on this, but he's made it clear with the White House staffers through this that like he believes that smoking marijuana is morally bad. And if you are smoking marijuana, you are a morally bad person and that there is not a way to enjoy marijuana in a the same sort of morally neutral have a beer on the 4th of july sort of thing um like joe biden does not believe in that world i i I think the only way to account for his position down the board here is just that biden does not believe that marijuana is good um and believes that it's actually a good thing that it's illegal I mean, he did. He does. There, there is a Hunter Biden in the room there. Like he, he did have a son who experienced substance abuse issues. And I mean, I, I it's, it's something I, I am a, uh, I, I am a, uh, a substance enthusiast. Uh, but I like the uh, similar experiences within, uh, within my social group. Like I, I understand uh, people having a strong negative reaction to those sorts of things. The uh, the issue is Joe Biden trying to apply it on a national scale, um, and and not, not all Hunter Biden. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's a that's a good point. Like, uh, but I think that Joe Biden probably is really scarred by the Hunter Biden. But thing. I, but I'm willing to bet that like I don't know in Joe Biden's mind we are all Hunter Biden, like a little bit. There, there, but for the grace of God, go I as Hunter Biden. You know, I, I might, you know, I might be over in Ukraine getting paid $60,000 a month for my expertise on oil. Totally normal. Uh, no, uh, no. So I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of the Biden, why is he so bad on this? Like explanation is he is 
a guy who got into the Senate, as in he, he was like born into the patrician class, but got into the Senate in, in like his early 30s and in the early 1970s. So he was just a little too old to be of age with the hippies and do the Woodstock thing. And besides, he was a patrician. He wasn't on that track anyways. Um, Joe Biden has always been on the, you're going into the Senate, buddy. I mean, like, you don't like, I mean, people just go like, oh, wow, he was a young senator. No, that's like, like not an accident, right? Like, like that, that's a clear imprimatur of status that was bequeathed this dude, whether or not he actually deserved it. But the banks got tired of paying for 70 year olds who just croaked in a couple of years. They needed to train somebody up who was going to sit in Delaware for the next 40 years and really represent their interests. I mean, you know, in a way it sort of makes sense. No, and I, yeah, it was a good investment. Yeah. Uh, look, like the, the whole Delaware thing, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, we got to sort of contest into that. It makes perfect sense unless you actually, you know, do something to change the law about the shell corporations in Delaware, right? Um, one other thing, though, about Richardson, and I guess this gets back to, like, you know, Biden's clear moral judgment here. Because, like, the, the people who are defending Biden are saying, well, she sa- he's saying that she's an exceptional runner and she's saying that, like, she's an inspirational story. But, like, Richardson's story about why she was using this weed is that she was grieving the death of her mother. And, like, when my grandfather died, um, the what if you, like, go to my YouTube channel is pictured there. Like, I was a wasted mess through that entire weekend. Like, I was, like, bla- like I was blasted delivering his eulogy. Like, I, I mean, this is part of the grieving process. People sometimes abuse substances during the acute grieving process of a loved one um it doesn't mean they're on tilt and more importantly um getting really drunk or getting really high is not doping it you know like 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 that the the value judgment that saki sort of quietly makes is that like the anti-doping agency is right to call marijuana dope a term that like basically no one has used since the 80s as as someone who has a a uh, both high school and college athlete uh, in in track and field. Uh, I was highly proselytized uh, to about the uh, the the horrible effects that uh, marijuana would have upon my athletic performance. So that's a, I mean, that's a great point. Did we mention <laughs> that this is smoking? Yeah, that this is smoking. So the, the, that we're calling smoking performance enhancement, like for the sprinter. <laughs> Uh, uh, if she had smoked cigarettes she would put more foreign substances into her body um and that would be perfectly legal according to the u.s anti-doping agency absolutely uh no i mean it it is absolute cowardice by the white house to not take a position on this and now i will play the game that will get somewhat tedious but i do think is clarifying as an exercise let us imagine just quickly if Trump was president and all of this was happening. Oh man. I, th- I think he would revel in scolding Richardson. You know, you know what I mean? Like you go like, those are the rules. Those are, you know, she shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. He's, I mean, he is such a teetotaler. I mean, but, but Trump, Trump going off and lecturing anybody about, like going off on the rules 
I mean, not that not that hypocrisy. Not that hypocrisy was. Our, this is like well, the Central true. Park Five rule. Yeah. The Central Park Five rule says it doesn't have to make sense. Like, like you're guilty even of the worst thing if you're black. They'll nev- never spare a chance to be condescending to somebody of a different skin color. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. For sure. So. No. Um. I. I think. Yeah. I. I, I was thinking about that. I. I couldn't. You know. Get all the way there to painting you a full picture. But like. Yeah, uh, Biden is out of step with his own party on marijuana policy. Polling shows a strong majority of Americans favor legalization. Biden has resist- resisted such calls because he likes to play the game on hard. Uh, and his administration has refused to reschedule the drug, which the federal government considers an illegal substance with no medicinal value. Biden did, however, call for the decriminalization of marijuana during his successful 2020 presidential campaign begging the question like what does that mean and why aren't you doing anything about it after he assumed office five white house staffers lost their jobs because they admitted to smoking marijuana a thing that uh this article sort of omitted during the screening process um they like they were told go ahead if you smoked weed just admit it we just want to make sure you're honest on this stuff they're all like yeah like we're in politics and we smoke weed and like listen to podcasts and shit um and we live in and and all of those people live in states where it was legal and the white house didn't care about that uh once again it's a moral judgment it's a moral judgment it doesn't matter if it's legal and i mean uh i'm not sure if you hit on it while i ducked away for a second but kamal Kamala Harris smoked weed. Kamala Harris has been open about the fact that she smoked weed. Kamala Harris has actually been, she's tried to, she's tried to be too. She's made up weird stories about smoking weed. She's so open about smoking weed. Like (laughs) it's, it's just very, she, she has this whole history about listening to Tupac albums that weren't even out yet and smoking weed to them. Um, yes, she was so into saying that she smoked weed that she told stories that almost certainly are not true because they're not possible, um, about smoking weed. And this is happening to like, let's not, you know, mince words, a black athlete. Harris is standing back and going, well, you know, like I'll let Jen Psaki and Joe Biden take the lead on this one. Um, and I, you know, you wonder you wonder, okay, she's going to get a pass on this one for sure. But if a couple more things like this happen, how long before this actually starts to put a little bit of heat on Harris? Um, and, and there, yeah, like, and or Harris actually starts to rift. Because, um, like, for example, Black Lives Matter is not going away. Um, defund the police type of issues, um, police brutality issues are not going away. Harris is going to be tested. And, if Biden continues to be like a marijuana Luddite, um, that's like not actually a thing, but like, I, although I'm now picturing a man angrily smashing pot plants and it's very funny. Um, <laughs> um, pulling them all out furiously. But uh, when does Harris break away from him? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know when. I, I, I never, just, I, never, never. She's too. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I don't think there's ever uh, I don't think there's a a rising tide. I mean, circumstances could certainly change. He could become very unpopular and she could see the way the winds blow in and change. But I mean, she's she's a chameleon. And the fact that she is at this level is purely because she pl- like 
she she turned around, she played the game and she got on board. I don't think I don't think she has. I, I don't know that she stays at this level if she steps steps off the Biden the Biden ship. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like the whole, I think you're ultimately right. I, I mean, she I lost to, she lost to Pete and she like she she lost to everybody. She came in fifth. She came in fifth in her home state. Got into California. Like 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 let's say ten people were in the California primary, right? I think Harris finishes no better than fourth or fifth. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. I, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be like a dick or whatever. Like I, 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 I saw absolutely no evidence that Harris could finish better than fourth or fifth in that race. Yeah, um, yeah. She, she absolutely. Loses. Well, I mean, but but it's because like California is a, a very progressive state on on the whole. Like take it taken as the whole state, and you had at least two much more in uh much more progressive candidates and then you had an actual real can like a, a, a an established like the establishment choice in joe biden so like right there that's she's not even touching it so yeah no i i feel you um so let's talk about someone i i've been happy to not talk about but like we, we, it's it's time to start talking about him again he's back Donald trump is uh like it, like jaws in the summer dun, on dun. the fourth of july dun, 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 yeah dun. coming for ron 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 <laughs> ron ron yeah 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 uh yeah because that trump shark is a coming for ron DeSantis here um trump is back he's doing rallies uh he is leaning into the one six stuff uh you know the way the media is covering him they they are they're going back to their bad habits they're like no one's attending these rallies except that like no a lot of people were attending these rallies like like he had a lot of people at this one here uh over the weekend and he's like doing the who shot Ashley Babbitt thing, which is not some sort of 1930s uh, film noir, but in fact, like leaning into one six conspiracy theories and venerating the the protesters who invaded the Capitol on one six. That's gonna get, uh, that's going to get real weird with the with his back the blue stuff like the 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 Venn diagram of back the blue. Well, actually, I mean, the the coherence of those concepts isn't necessarily uh very uh very tidy but like the we, the, we, theoretically we had, today, we had a chat earlier today about how this stuff doesn't actually have to fit together like when we we're talking about oil shit yeah. right like like in the, in the group thread like the one thing about this particular republican party is cognitive dissonance and even the highlighting of cognitive dissonance it's simply it, it is not fruitful in the way that broadly speaking the liberal and left mind might find it to be um I, I, that there's just really no other way of putting it other than uh republicans aren't receptive to that they don't care that trump says this and trump says that like they're gonna blame joe biden for high prices at the gas pump and it doesn't matter that those high prices are exactly why their 401k and their stock holdings and companies like exxon and shell are up and that in order for those stock prices to be up and thus their dividends to be up and thus their overall net worth to be up in a way that completely offsets their gas price, it's actually good for them to be paying more at the pump. It's an indicator that things are going well. Like they'll blame them 
Uh, I mean, I was just talking to, let's say, a family member, uh, and, and he said, uh, you know, he was he was grousing about this stuff just today. Uh, you know, uh, th- these these things happen. Uh, I so I I mean, Trump is back. He's doing these rallies, and the other thing that happened this week that I think really solidifies that Trump is running again. Um, although he's, he told Handy, he did Handy too, and he's like, I've made a decision about twenty twenty four. Um, which I, I mean, I think he's running, he's going to run here. Here's, here's why it's always been a foregone conclusion to me. Cause they realized in 2016 accidentally that having a campaign as a business because of the way campaign finance laws are written in America, it's one of the biggest fucking cons in the book. Yeah. Andrew Yang kind of es- started to put this together, especially too. if you own a bunch of like event venues. Like oh, the amount yeah. of self dealing no, you can do right. as a hotel owner, like if you own expo centers, if you own, I mean, but that was that was Trump's that was Trump's whole grift. Like before before uh, he joined the Trump organization, it was his dad's his dad's business selling the new appliances into the uh, into all of the Trump Trump org apartment buildings. Like there's there's always it's always that that self dealing has always been a a. Uh, uh, a real staple of the the Trump uh, Trump organization and the polit- like politics is the ultimate for that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I you probably remember this too. I you know the younger set of the crowd won't remember this, but Colbert back when he was doing the Colbert Report made a super pack. Remember this? And like that was super instructive of just how easy it is to route around all these campaign finance laws. Exactly. And Colbert was basically always making the point that like. It's really only going to take someone to sort of like nakedly grift the shit out of this for this to be very dangerous. Well, I mean, really, they're leaving money on the table by Eric or Don Jr. not actually owning a media company that's doing the ad buys. That's literally just like taking 5% off the top to do the ad buys through another company. But it's just the America, I, I, America, I, super point, great. I bet you they finished the yeah. OAN deal. I, if they, if they're doing that OAN deal, I bet you they finish that OAN deal specifically so that they can do that because I don't think there's anything to preclude them from doing ad buys on OAN. It's, yeah, it, you know, if uh, Eric Trump is just a board member, so long as Eric Trump is not a member of the campaign, or maybe that's where Don puts Don Jr. specifically, so he's like, Don, I need as part of the job, I can't talk to you. I I I. And so much, son. So much. <laughs> it's just gonna be uh, Don Junior down in the basement. Uh, like, uh, uh, Dad, have you have you seen my stapler, Mister <laughs> Trump? Have you, you Mister <laughs> Trump? I'm I'm doing a good job over here at your TV network, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please son call me mr trump uh, all right so um the other thing that happened this week that i think really solidifies that trump is running this this time is that the new case coming down from new york is being frank after reviewing it not very strong um and and, and it's it's a head scratcher to me because I go back to the AOC Michael Cohen testimony, and it seems to me Michael Cohen and AOC laid out a pretty clear pathway 
to put together the crimes that Donald Trump and Alan Weisselberg have been doing with asset valuation and devaluation. Um, they would overvaluate and overinflate the value of assets and tax documents to get bigger write-offs, and then they would devalue those same assets. Um, um, it, it struck me as weird that at this point, the Manhattan DA has not even been able to get Weisselberg to flip. Weisselberg has pled not guilty to these charges, which means he is not cooperating. Um, and then kind of more alarming here is that uh, Trump is not named in any of these documents. So they're not even, go- they're not even prosecuting against Trump. So we-, we have a few things here. One, that they didn't really get the AOC Michael Cohen spectrum of stuff the asset valuation, the asset devaluation stuff. Yeah. Two, that they weren't able to flip. Uh, they weren't able to we- flip Alan Weisselberg. Weis- Weisselberg's not guilty. Not guilty uh, verdict was really. The, I mean, not guilty plea was really the uh, the nail for me. Like, uh, if if he thinks if he thinks he's gonna fight this, I mean, he's not. We're talking about. He's not we're a talking, stupid yeah, man. he's not a stupid man. It's a stupid. I mean, smart people who I fundamentally disagree with. He's not. He's not that dumb. Like he's the guy who is actually running the ship here. Donald Trump doesn't yeah. understand fucking shit, guys. You know this. You know this. I know that you listening know this. Weisselberg understands this whole operation. And this whole way down, the one person who Trump has been making sure to financially seed along the way, taking care of his grandkids, taking care of Weisselberg, and this is a notoriously stingy dude, a guy who like declares bankruptcy rather than paying back debts, the one person who has always, 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 always been taking care of his Weisselberg. Um, Trump owns Weisselberg. I think, and Weisselberg gets that, like, what the 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 U.S. federal government and the New York state government can't give Weisselberg anything that Trump can't give Weisselberg. Um, and and if they don't have much, and it seems like they don't, because if they really had a lot, um, they would have flipped Weisselberg. I'm just I'm wondering if there's a lot of this, uh, a lot that's like uh, statutes of limitate, like statute of limitation stuff, like. Uh... I don't know, probably even like post, uh, I, I mean, some of the for, foreign development deals might be, might be a little bit fishy, but a lot of that's probably happening on foreign soil with like banks that aren't in the United States. Uh, and from like post, uh, post apprentice, like, like a lot of his money was probably like somewhat legit. Like he probably didn't have, he, he probably wasn't, he probably wasn't breaking, breaking as much, uh, so, so that's actually the era where I have some of the biggest questions. Okay. Um, so he's doing, he's doing The Apprentice, but during that era, he also starts buying golf courses like in Ireland and stuff and buying them all cash. And, and, and everyone at the time is commenting, this is very strange. People don't purchase real estate like this often. And he's sitting there going like, I'm doing it all cash. Like, like it, sort of like... It's weird, like it's like I'm cheating at cards and like just sort of announcing it, like I'm really good at cheating at cards. Um, no, so th- that's really fishy. Um, he also in his Florida properties, this is when a large number of people from 
Soviet bloc countries start renting out floors and we start seeing entire floors of Florida apartment buildings rented out just so happens by people from like out of the country, all from the same part of the world. And it happens to be proximate to Russia. Uh, it like, so there are some interesting questions, but to your point, I, I think I'll, I wonder if statute of limitations is run out, let's say, on the Ireland transactions at absolute minimum, because those would be from 2006 or 2007. That's like 15 years. Yeah. The and I mean, a lot of the a lot of those foreign investment deals, I I don't know, I'm pretty there. They may be sitting in like a purp- very purposefully sitting in a very gray area for the for the benefit of. New York and San Francisco and Portland and Seattle and Chicago. Like it, it's- yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, look, um, I want to be clear just because I am cynical about New York's case oh, does not believe I, that. I don't believe that Trump has created like a committed some serious, <laughs> serious, serious criminal acts throughout the course of his career. It's like very obvious. He did. Um, and even if they're not illegal, like as we were saying, the gray area where it's like necessarily not quite illegal, like n- like shady, immoral, absolutely wrong, absolutely one hundred percent shady, absolute like uh, very much. But that's that's it's also like it's New York, New Jersey politics. Like it's there there isn't like a there isn't a deal that isn't covered in grease. Like. <laughs> sliding through there well i mean it's even this real estate stuff um real estate is an asset as we're seeing right now in the american market that's like super fungible and like you can you can and we've seen this already we're old enough that we remember 2008 um and and i feel like i'm kind of living through a play out of that again 15 years later here right now uh I'm, i'm very worried about this housing market uh it's why i'm not getting in uh but like Real estate's super easy to inflate. Um, And and right now what we're seeing is we're seeing like uh, investment hedge funds and sort of groups coming in and buying up entire blocks and inflating the value of those blocks monopoly style. If you ever played Monopoly, uh, they're essentially doing the Monopoly play. I wonder if they sit there with the board and go like, all right, we got to get Laurel Avenue next. Uh, You know, uh, maybe they got that idea from the board, but Real estate, this is this works great for Trump. And this kind of goes back to Manafort. Remember, Manafort was buying rugs, another great piece of asset that you can absolutely inflate. I mean, a world that I live in, guitars. The, guitars all, are an asset that you can 100% inflate. All fine art. <laughs> I mean, art, that's the, super the, easy to inflate, yeah. And, and the laws around this are really suspect. If here, I'll give you a quick example. I buy a Les Paul. I'm uh, just going to live in my world. Two grand-ish, right? You know, that that's it, uh, it's an okay price for Les Paul. Like, let's say it's like a Les Paul special. Nice one. Um, let's say Dan goes, Chris, that's a fantastic Les Paul. I'm going to pay you $5,000 for it. Um, and I agree to sell this Les Paul that the market value clearly says is $2,000 to Dan for $5,000. There is nothing illegal about that. Except that you probably have some questions. You might be thinking, Chris, it seems like there's an unknown known here or a known unknown here that I need to, that I, well, the known unknown is why did Dan agree to pay way more than market value for this Les Paul that Chris Novembrino owned? And it's, it's because 
we have a guitar reselling business on the side and that $3,000 gets reported as profit and at like added a uh, value to that guitar. So even though I am out $5,000, I'm only out maybe, uh, or even like the, I, I get to recoup part of that inflated value. And then I get to borrow against that nice $5,000 guitar that is now one of my assets. Yeah, I, I get to show it. Yeah, in, in the case of your business, you get to show that it's a loss too. Yeah. Um, you get to basically say that was a that was a cost of doing business. So you now have a five thousand dollar write off. You have this two thousand dollar instrument, and if we're in cahoots together, which we could well be, I could just circle the three thousand back to you. Like this becomes at absolute minimum a way for Dan to launder his money. That is illegal. Um, but in order to prove that, it takes a lot of effort. I mean, this is why you know our friend Matt Gates. A hero of the show is not in jail right now, even though there are Venmo payments that clearly correlate to payments rendered for sexual services. Um, it, it's actually still really tricky to prove in a court of law um, that that is what is happening. Uh, and, and real estate offers a, a tremendous opportunity to launder money um, and, and fine art. Fine rugs, guitars, um, Appli collectibles, appliances, which was appliances, which was the the part of the Trump org's early gig. He used to do a big one. Uh, yes. Uh, what, what's uh, the tax gimmick with uh, appliances that they that's you're uh, in any imp like improvements that you're making to apartments that you own? You're able to write off the write off those expenses, and so you would buy. He would get cheap appliances. He would resell them through a company and like the inflated price that he played for, paid for all of those appliances, he could write off. And then he made the price, he made the profit off of inflated, off of those inflated prices or off of those inflated uh, appliances. I mean, like th this is, this is the sort of genius of the Trump grift here. And so if New York and the Democratic machine in New York doesn't have better than this. Trump is going to be their nominee again. Um, and I think DeSantis is coming to grips with this reality. And I think DeSantis, DeSantis needs to be thinking about the veep stakes. And right now, he's acting like a guy who's not thinking about the veep stakes, but is still hanging on to a wing and a prayer. And... Um, what I mean by this specifically in regards to DeSantis is DeSantis didn't want Trump to have the rally. And then when Trump had the rally, DeSantis decided that he wasn't going to show up. And then he also had this meeting with Joe Biden this week where he's all like, thank you, Joe Biden. You've been doing a great job. We've been working really well. And I think here's where I think Trump starts to work the angle. Trump will be like, we used to be good at building buildings. These buildings here in Florida, they're not very good. They're not well built. I used to stand out there and, you know, like talk about the old paint pictures of him standing at the building sites and stuff. Where's Rod DeSantis? He's not down at the buildings. I'll rebuild them. You know, it'd be the ultimate Trump move. Trump offers to rebuild the buildings and forces DeSantis to go no to Trump. And, and, and when DeSantis says no to Trump, the, the Republican base will say no to Ron DeSantis. Once you scorn Trump on rebuilding the buildings, which, I, I mean, what are the odds that Trump makes that offer first? I don't think he's, I mean, it's smart, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think they'll get there. I mean, he's, uh, I mean, it should be within, it should be within his umbrella. 
But he's got like six months at least to make this he, offer. Yeah, it's the com- it's the combination of him being both cheap and not dumb, but not like he's not sa- he's not like squ- like Wiley like that. Somebody somebody may come to him with that idea. That would never be an organic thought that Trump would have. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Nineties no. Trump absolutely. He nineties Trump would absolutely do this. Uh, okay. ni- you know, I, I'm going to rebuild the ice skate rink. Okay. Remember that. Yeah, yeah, no, like that. This is that's very much in classic Trump's wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Old and tired Trump, COVID brained Trump. I think that's not in his wheelhouse. I think someone would have to pitch that to him. But of like Don or Eric, who I think is the smart one uh, of the two, uh, like, like I, I think that like if one of them gets that idea, um, I think that effectively does in Ron DeSantis. Uh, I'll put that at 30% to 40% chance. Um, I, it's under 50% chance. I think I, I ultimately he doesn't do that, but DeSantis is really treading on thin ice here. I don't think you can, I don't think you can push yourself away from Donald Trump like this. Uh, and, and, and if before too long, Donald Trump's going to start attacking him. Trump, Trump coming down. Like DeSantis was loving Trump up in Ohio. Like, I mean, not, maybe not loving it. If he wants him to, if, if he's trying to occupy that lane, but like, Trump, Trump coming down and playing in his his neck of the woods is just bad news. Like the the news cycle coming to Florida is bad news for Ron DeSantis. I, I mean that's but. that's the other thing. So like you know, and, and Trump sort of playing this court like, well, I, I just happen to have a hotel here in uh, and Mar-a-Lago's out here in Florida. Um, but like Trump knows what he's doing. What's Trump? Trump, Trump knows that he's making DeSantis make decisions here. What's gonna happen like during? like hurricane season in Florida. Like when, when, if, like if Trump makes a decision to do it and he goes down to like a hurricane before DeSantis gets a chance to get down there or something like, Oh my God. If Mar-a-Lago or he gets starts just throw, throwing toilet paper, or, uh, throwing rolls of paper towels at Floridians. <laughs> if Mar-a-Lago gets hit with a hurricane and DeSantis does not mobilize the entirety of Florida's state resources to help rebuild Mar-a-Lago, a historical site, uh, which is part of Trump's tax write-off game on, on Mar-a-Lago as well. Yeah. Uh, if uh, if he doesn't, if DeSantis like leaves Trump on an island with Mar-a-Lago, oh, there is going to be hell to pay. Uh, and I'm not talking about Trump's hair. I hate that joke. I had to make it because it just happened to come up organically there. But no, there is going to be, uh, there's going to be a serious reckoning with this. It, it DeSantis is peaked too early. I saw that article about is Ron DeSantis the new Ronald Reagan? The answer, of course, is like, lol, no. But more importantly, the second I saw that, I was like, oh no, this guy's done. This guy's done. The conservatives, the the respectable conservatives are trying to make him happen. That's a, and that's Trump like a guy. That's a S- September 2023 like headline or something. Like that's that's when you want that if you're actually you're you're trying to take a shot at it. Yeah, yeah, you want that. Yes, you want that headline. Actually, later, um, later, if the last election cycle is any sort of story, getting the good headlines even in July or through September of of that like year prior to the election, that could be bad. That could be peaking too early. I, you know, like DeSantis needs this. Is he the new Reagan? As he's leaving office or whatever, maybe like right at the start of his campaign. Or conversely, right in like 
right in like January of election year 2024. Um, but uh, no, he th- th- this this moment, this DeSantis moment, I, it is over. Um, and I I think also just looking at Trump this week, this guy's running. He's running, uh, and I don't see a way for Republicans to not embrace him. They they have no way of doing that. They they refuse to distance themselves from one six. Uh, and this is also I, to that point. I think it gets further to the Democrats needing to. Uh, I I know Pelosi actually had this on the slide here real quick, but I don't even need the copy. Pelosi's impaneling a group to you know a bipartisan commission on one six it's going to have eight eight democrats and five republicans and the democrats need to go one six is trump's fault trump encouraged one six which is also beyond being politically smart and and priming the pump for your political enemy in the next election has the benefit of being (laughs) fucking true it's 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 always nice when your messaging also you know lines up with the truth. That's always like a real convenient thing that I really wish the Democrats would like lean into a little bit more often. Uh, yeah, I, and and if not them, someone or, yeah. in our caucus. Yeah, no, I, I mean somebody for like, the love like, of God. For the love of God, because like yes, now at this point it is abundantly clear this is the political opponent next time. So like this, oh, they're gonna come to their senses. No, it's not gonna fucking happen. I'm sorry for anyone who believed that. No, they're coming to their senses. Donald Trump would not be the odds-on front runner right now. Let's um, McCarthy. McCarthy told anybody actually accept that uh that uh appointment that they would be stripped of their other committee positions like and th- that is a guy who five years ago said that there are two people that he was for certain are on the payroll of russia and that was dana rohrbacher and uh donald trump like like so has mccarthy come to his senses or has mccarthy come to donald trump uh you know i i, I like all the signs are there all the signs are there. So yeah, it, 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 I'm glad that they're doing this commission. I hope that if anything, this weekend maybe forces the Democrats to take the commission more seriously, that the politics of this will force the issue. We, My cat's having a sneezing fit over here. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the commission? Uh, it'll, be, it'll be curious to see. I'm really hoping that they don't like I want them to if if they can't get the five Republicans, I want them to get one and impanel it with nine. Like I don't want I don't want any any concessions to try and get five or four more Republicans for the sake of uh, for the sake of unity or for the sake of uh, bipartisanship. Like if if uh, it's got to be like a train's leaving the station kind of thing. Like another fine point here as we're exiting the Trump section, unity now obviously obviously a fucking pipe dream the whole unity narrative is premised for for those of you listening to the show who think i'm harsh on the centrist i I know there's a wing of the there's a wing of listeners who feel that way um the whole unity idea is premised on the notion that the republicans will eschew donald trump move on to that and and like uh, embrace like a ben sass uh, it's sort of like nice guy, bad politics sort of thing going on here. Um, that is not what is happening. If Trump runs again, 
it is impossible to have a dynamic wherein unity is possible. Unity is only possible in a within a paradigm. See, like, see what Yuffie just did to Hazy? That's unity with Donald Trump still in the Republican Party. The agroness. Uh, Hazy here is the Democrats, shell shocked, not even sure what's going on. Yuffie here, the feisty young Republicans, the millennial Republicans coming in and uh, go, I, look. She's getting a little long in the tooth here. She looks good for her age, though. She's not, you know, she, she's not Feinsteining it. She's not Feinsteining it. You know, she's still, she's, she's like the Elizabeth Warren, you know, type of senior citizen here. Not, you know, so sharp upstairs. Um, anyways, uh, like, so <laughs> where was I at? Unity. Unity impossible with, with Trump still on the scene. And, and, and unless and until, and they never will, it's is now it's now clear unless until and never will the republicans disregard trump and say no more enough of you we're done that's it and liz cheney uh you know they they went after her mccarthy's saying you're gonna get in trouble if you're on the one six commission to study terrorism on a domestic front she's she's the one they can't really strip of any committee uh they can't what are they what are they gonna do ouster more like Century. Right, right. Like, but, but like, you know, I say that with Kinzinger, like, but like, and, and Mitt Romney, I mean, if Romney tries to run, Romney will get firmly rebuked by the primary yeah. base. I mean, he might, he might, I, I, you know, Bill Crystal um, and all those never Trump Republicans are going to try one last feeble attempt to get their party back. Uh, but are, are uh, for 2024, have they, uh, what, what do they do to the primary schedule? Like, is it still going to be New Hampshire? I, for, I forget what is, I think that's still up in the air. I think they were trying to, they were trying to get New Hampshire and Iowa out of the poll position. And I forget where they came down on that. That's interesting. And I bet you, you see some Trumpies come in and fight to keep it white AF in those early states. Cause they know where their bread's butter. But, and the other thing is it's going to be hard the Republicans are going to want to keep it white AF in those early states. Like, like they like Iowa, um, you know, and, and, and he, I actually think Trump could win Iowa. I think Trump could win Iowa and New Hampshire and Trump wins Iowa and New Hampshire. They're not going to stop him in South Carolina. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, and even then, it would, you know, then DeSantis would be doing a Rudy Giuliani. I'm all in in Florida sort of defense. Uh, not going to work. We, we, we know, we know that plan doesn't work. Uh, you, you can't lose Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina. You have to win one of those three. Um, ideally at least two of those three. Um, you have, you, know. you have to be in there swinging the entire time too. Like, even yes. if, like, even if you don't wit like you could, you could, well, I don't know. You got to win one of them. You, you got to go win one of them. Third. But you got you yeah. Go, no, you have to win one of them, and you can go first, second, third. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like like like. I, I mean, if and, you win, win Iowa, second, New Hampshire, third, and South Carolina, that's not ideal. You'd ideally go like third, first, second. Um. And then you're still you're still very much in the race, and you might very well win the race ultimately. Um. But yeah, uh, you can't just wait around for Florida and be like, I'm back in it. I won Florida. Like, like that's not, that's Americans don't look at the primaries like that. Um, we're not, we're not an educated class like that. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. And Trump's rallies, they draw so strongly. Um, you know, I, I, this, if, if those early states, if he's running in, in the, primaries are focused in early states 
I think that really helps Trump because Trump's turnout machine is super strong. If he's he is good at that shit. If he is on his two feet and drawing breath, like if he if he had a if he had a um like a stroke and ended up with some like bells bells palsy. Are we including or... Iron Lung here? Are we saying Iron Lung Trump can still win? No, no, I I, I okay. I think I, I, I think. I, 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 I think his his uh, his projected vitality, uh, as much as as much as we we don't necessarily what, what see gold? it. But what if what if it's a gold iron, a really classy gold iron lock? That would be fantastic. Or like he'll he'll like uh, just just Trump in a just a golden a golden like uh, exo exo suit. That he would win win in a second. It's like Nixon, Nixon and Futurama manages to still keep his gut. Like he's yeah. got mecha arms and stuff, but the gut's still there. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. No. Anyways, Trump's running. Uh, that, 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 no, uh, unless, unless he has, uh, there, there are, there's a decent amount of reporting that suggests that the COVID case that he had was pretty severe. Unless he has complications from COVID between now and when the primaries start, it's low likelihood people. It's a low, it's, I mean, it's like when people tell me Biden's not running again, he's, I go like you have, I mean, we'd have to see it. Like you'd have to like really be seeing clear signs on that. He shit. Re- Tr- Trump really looked like shit in a couple of the first, uh, like the first pictures that, th- that were taken of him kind of like outside of, outside of mar-a-lago like outside of where he was really like after like the first couple rallies there was a couple there was a couple where he just looked very very gaunt very uh like dehydrated even just he he did not look like his uh not that not that he was like like a picture of this is really weird and this is super speculative i i think he had like a neck tuck I think I, like I, I, I was looking because like you're talking about the one where his neck looks really weird, right? I think he was trying to do something about the waddle because that waddle was getting pretty substantial towards the tail end of his presidency. And I know Trump has commented on that on his own pictures. He doesn't like when he has a maybe, waddle. May, maybe there was a neck tuck. I didn't I didn't particularly look at maybe he did some cold sculpting. Um but it's like I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm, not, got, I'm not the guy for that. But I mean, but Joe, I, it was, Joe Biden yeah. very fairly obviously has had several facelifts and had things like it seems like they're just they're just grabbing at the back of his head and And bro bro, what they did during the campaign (laughs) that botox shit the the what they put him on to start that campaign they wound the clock back like 10 years it was creepy how like effective it was i was like he showed up real smooth (laughs) so smooth so like, like unreal smooth uh yeah no um it, it was uh it was quite quite a sight um all right uh we one other note here justice department looking into giuliani over lobbying for turkish interests. this is a thing from the trump years that just like continues to hang out there we have mike flynn his problematic relationship with recep tayyip erdogan the fact that he published an editorial going into the 2016 election talking about the importance of turkey um, and Turkey was fighting with somebody at the, like, like there, there was a lot of shit going on with that. And, and Trump, Flynn got into all of that. Meanwhile, Giuliani had this relationship. Flynn also had his group. Um, oh God. Uh, what is the name of his group? SCL or something group. Uh, and, and they were working with Turkey too. And he was doing contracting work with Turkey. 
Um, and, and other guys who got uh, charged during the course of the Mueller probe here. In 2017, Trump and Giuliani pressured Rex Tillerson to persuade the Justice Department to drop money laundering charges against Giuliani's client Reza Zarab, a Turkey-based Iranian-born businessman. Giuliani also urged Trump to extradite a Turkish cleric living in exile in the United States, who uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan accused of inciting a coup. Uh, so this is Fatula Gulan. Say, poor, who, poor Fatula Gulan. Just everybody just wants to pick on Fatula Gulan. Uh, constantly. I mean, like th this remains to me the story from the Trump here is that if I could get like closure on any one thing, I really want closure on this. We know Flynn worked with like people and got fairly far along in the kidnapping plot to extradite Fatula Gulan. We know Giuliani knew about this. He had to know about this because he was working on the back end here to pardon like the Fatula Gulan stuff. And you have to imagine that Giuliani and Flynn were in cahoots on the front end of this deal too. Like, why is this okay? We, we, on the podcast or we we as americans in general we don't talk about turkey that much and turkey has touched like every geopolitical conflict that we've had for the last 10 years from like rahava azerbaijan uh flynn giuliani uh like heavily tied up with the russians there's there's Ilhan Omar, Omar stuff. The like, Ilhan Omar thing, it, like, like the, the, that's that to me is just a testament to how far-reaching Turkey is and how developed out their political, like, they have a really sophisticated political operation on a geopolitical level, and I'm with you. I don't know, and I like they just I, keep I, popping up. There's no, there's I don't no know, I don't know of anywhere like to get new, like when I'm looking for coverage on that, I don't, it wasn't really until I started doing the stories and I was like, holy shit, Turkey touches a lot more stuff than you realize. Um, no one talks about it. Who's doing good I, I coverage of who's doing good coverage of Turkey. That's still allowed in Turkey. <laughs> also true. No. It, it, and that's the other thing too. Um, these restrictive regimes of which there are more around the world are restrictive when it comes to media coverage of them. So it becomes really hard to get good coverage of them. Um, you know, this is why part of the reason why coverage of Syria is so contentious at this point um, is that like the government of Syria is they are fascists who are not interested in having fair and balanced media coverage. Yeah. It, it complicates it complicates things when they let people in. Hence, uh, I don't know if you want to touch on that at all. The 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 mate of it all. Oh. Uh no. <laughs> no yeah, no. No, I I I I I mean, look, look, here's the one thing I want to say about that. I, the most interesting story was the donations and stuff going into Max Blumenthal. Um that we're actually now really starting to see Look, we have long speculated, and I think, you know, look, everyone has opinions, and there, there are a lot of shared opinions about certain actors on the left who many of us, including on the show here, kind of go like, are bad actors. Like who? Name some names, Chris. Aaron Monte, Max Blumenthal, people like that. And, and the case Sean of King. Blumenthal is... What? Sean King. Sean, oh, Sean King is a great one. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, great poll. Oh, um, who's the guy uh, who... A proud socialist. What's his... Ryan Knight. Yeah, Ryan Knight. Yeah, yeah, total Milan actor, a uh, total grifter guy. Um, but in the case of Blumenthal and Sean King, um, they're they're real good examples. 
king steals from good people um, and uses good people's money to fund his own grift, which is actually makes it really kind of particularly diabolical. In the case of Blumenthal and Mate, um, they, in a gray zone media, they're getting money from some of the shittiest governments in the world to put out this worldview. Uh, or, or, well, okay, so the money trail doesn't necessarily say to put out this worldview, but you start to see the money that is coming in and you go like, would that change your opinion? I, I mean, I ask you, dear listener, if you could get paid $40,000 a year to get up in your PJs and put out like a little bit of tweets and a little bit of commentary about, how, oh man, US interventionism's bad, man, particularly in Syria. They really shouldn't be in Syria of all places. Uh, but man, you know, the, the US, man, uh, like for 40K a year, most people take that deal. Most people take, you know, like, you know, people aren't that hard to buy. Um, you know, I, I wonder what I'm surprised we haven't seen it sooner. I wonder what Glenn Greenwald costs. <laughs> right, right. Like, like that. So that, I mean, that's the big question, right? Like, like, you know, I, now, now the, the, you know, especially seeing Blumenthal thinking about Greenwald, um, and he's changing the positions and he's shifting on things and he's trying to square the circle. I I've been watching him. Like I, for as much as I beat up on him, I watched like a long form interview with him and uh, Ben Burgess just the other day. Like I'm seeing Greenwald trying to crystallize his thinking around this stuff and make it as like steel man as possible. I didn't, but like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't run low enough on content to do the, uh, to do the, uh, his and uh, Nate Robinson's uh, interview. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I couldn't, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't that desperate for, for content while I was at work, but. Someday, someday I may take it in. In arguing is like, like, I mean, good lord, I. (laughs) Him and Nate Robinson arguing sort of self answers the question: Why does it left politics connect with the wider audience? (laughs) It hurts because it's true. Yeah, no, it's, it's. It's too right. All right. So here's one that I want to talk about. I want, I got some good news here this week. Uh, at least I think this is good news. 130 countries have reached an agreement on a global minimum tax rate. Uh, and I think this is a really, really positive development. Um, glo- the global tax rate issue has been a real problem. The problem basically has been global tax rates have been leading to a race to the bottom. Um, not to get too awesome. My big theory about foreign policy, but you've got big fish and small fish in the world. Big fish being like India, China, United States, Australia, the United Kingdom, big fish. They, these are big economic players. You have these smaller countries, um, in an effort to get any sort of businesses to do any sort of housing in those countries, they've been saying their tax rates really low. They've been saying their regulations really low. Um, and that is enabled, um, manufacturing to move to places like Malaysia by having a super low tax rate and by having super low labor standards. This is bad for labor across the world. This is also bad for governments across the world and bad in the battles between governments and capital um, in, in which global capital is really running over global governments. Um, and this is one where we probably want global governments to win a few more of these games. Um, and this 15% tax rate, I think strikes at least at first blush a really happy balance between yes i have concerns that broadly speaking especially for the united states 15 percent would be too low right i i don't want to see our corporate tax rate go to 15 percent um although like god if we have two more republican presidents we're going to get there 
Uh, maybe one more. I like, like you know, fuck it. Like they're gonna be like, we're gonna be, we're gonna do it like the rest of the world and have fifteen percent. Uh, that that voice actually sounds like the right voice to deliver that message. Um, but so I like it though because. But, oh, go ahead. But fi- like something like I don't know, fifteen percent to to fifteen percent to be in a small fish country, and have to. And have to like invest in a bunch of infrastructure for that country isn't necessarily like isn't necessarily the worst deal. Probably probably works out better for us. Like that that infrastructure is infrastructure that like business or companies based in this country will be able to use. It will expand, it will expand horizons there. I mean, yes, we wouldn't want America to uh, to be at a 15% rate, but you're paying, you're paying that extra 25% to do business in America like right 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 so so big big fish countries can set their rates higher because there's obvious reasons and obvious advantages to being in a big fish country whether it comes to the court systems legal protections whatever essentially you can you can rent seek on this meanwhile having the minimum ensures that like a kenya a nairobi um chile uh you name your developing country is still getting real money coming in there so they have coca-cola clorox uh, whoever goes in and wants to do manufacturing i'm just naming american companies too like i mean we could be talking about like honda or mitsubishi or toyota um any of these companies go into these other countries they are paying a fair amount of taxes to these countries and ensuring that you can't just go, well, look, Nairobi's giving me 15%, uh, but I heard Kenya's willing to give me 13 and a half. What's Nairobi say to that? Um, this sets a baseline to that. So like you could go here, you could go there. Will there still be gamification? Yes. But at the end of the day, I still think this is a net good thing. It's a positive development. The rate at first blush seems like a really good rate to solve for kind of the big state, small state issue here that's always going to be extant. For for as much of a challenge as it is in the United States with big states and small states, think about that on a global scale. Absolutely. As we work out these problems, we have to be thinking about multi-tiering these solutions so that we're – accompanying or we're encompassing the realities of living in Turkey versus the realities of living in Kenya versus the realities of living on Australia versus the realities of living in China and India. Um, all, all very, and one size fits all policies are, are always going to be a tough fit. This do getting 130 countries to be like, let's do it. That's not, yeah, I'm like, not man, too bad. bro. I, 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 uh, yeah, no, no, I, maybe I'm just getting old and I'm like saying the bar lower, but I heard this this week. I was like, dude, fuck. Yeah. Let's go. Let's, let's come, go. Let's, let's get this. Let's lock this in and then come back for another pass on like some like environmental regulation and labor practices. Yeah. Next. yeah. 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 Right. No, great start. Let's have lunch and get back in so there. We can't, we can't, we can't lose all like metal ore processing on this continent just because there's no regulation to do it on like in South Asia or where have you like. And that's the other thing, having this conversation just the race from the bottom from like the, I don't don't know. I, I dream of a day where we're, where we're smelting, 
we're smelting steel in the United States and it isn't just like a giant blight for everyone downwind that like the driving, like we are, we in the United States, we have like, we can do these traditional industrial things, but we can do them without completely poisoning our planet. And that would actually be something that we incentivize. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, similarly, this is how I kind of feel about like, you know, the globalization of like business and stuff. I dream of a day where like, these businesses actually live up to their marketing material about what happens when they go into these countries. Because at the end of the day, like how does the wealth get into these countries? They need to be able to make their own businesses and their own products. And they need to get the industrial knowledge um, that really only comes from like working in these trades. Uh, like, like that, that's just at the end of the day, Africa is going to have to become a global competitor in soft drink making. Um, or, or whatever, you know, what name your product, like, yeah, like, like, you know, Chile, South America and stuff. And I'm going to just keep saying Chile, South America is going to need to become a global competitor in, you know, let's say cleaning chemicals or whatever it is. Um, and they're going to have to learn those skills from American, Japanese, English, uh, French and German businesses, Chinese to a certain extent, uh, like that's how they're going to learn these things. And I dream of a day where businesses go in there and they're not just fleecing these people and fleecing the labor well, pool in these places. As, yeah. as we were talking about, like at, at, when you first brought it up, it was like this, this, uh, these 15% tax revenues going into, going into the, what was traditionally the global South, uh, the, the small, the smaller fish countries. Like I, I've, uh, I, I worry about there were similar concerns that were had about the stimulus checks here in uh, in the U.S. of it just like it's just going to go to pay. It's just going to go to pay the credit card debt. It's just going to go to pay uh, WTO and IMF loans or or what have you in the short term. That I mean, that was where my brain initially popped. But the I don't know, the, de- the development and just the cash flow through those places would give in some some good government conduct would just benefit them more more than the more than whatever uh uh demon imf demons i have in my brain from so so the reason the other reason why like i sort of believe in that narrative is the best possible narrative not like i like ideally we would have a a global reparations summit and over the next six months we would really kind of sit there and think about how to like distribute and correct the wealth and equities of the world um Short of that happening, which uh, I, I know, you know, I, I'm waiting on my grand religion summit where the Muslims and the Jews and the Christians finally get together and iron out. Like, they're so close, Dan. They're not. If you really think they're not that far off, they just got to get it together, bro. Uh, like, just, come on, guys. Let's get in a room. Let's have a few differences. Uh, even just like all the Catholics. Let's let's solve some of these risks, right? Like, I mean, come on. One economic ecumenical council away from solving. This. Well, I'll meet in Belfast. Um, so like here going. Back, so I don't think any of these things are happening. Right. And I obviously you can't do a stimulus check for the global south the small fish countries and you can't do a ubi either which would be another like sort of analog like you know why do i favor a national ubi because i sort of think the only way you're going to get money back into some of these hollowed out municipalities like in west virginia like in the american south uh specifically but in the rust belt too is you just need to put capital back in there so you don't have those two options so really the only option is 
these countries start finding a way to compete in the global economy, which is going to be complicated and dicey. And like, we have to think about how do we make the global economy a fairer place to compete in. Um, But that's ultimately going to be the story of prosperity. Like, you know, China likes to point to pulling out, you know, what a billion people from poverty. How'd they do that? They embraced like making stuff. Uh, they, 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 didn't necessarily embrace making good stuff, um, but they embraced making stuff at first, and then they started getting better at making good stuff. Even their knockoffs, some of them aren't bad now. Um, I have a Chinese-made effects pedal that works just fine. I personally think that the 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 poverty, the correlation between a billion uh, Chinese citizens coming out of uh, poverty was directly related to the number of sparrows. It was really, it was really just the peasants. peasants when, Mao, when Mao said around 1960, look, these birds are the one thing that are keeping us from getting the crops really going. Birds and you having too many kids. If we just, if we get those two things under control. Everyone needs a pig iron furnace. Kill all of your birds. Stop having so many babies. The birds thing, for those of you who don't know about this, like, go and look it up. It's like the strangest, it's one of the strangest governmental policies pursued by anyone ever. Like, yeah, like a, a deeply held belief that the birds are affecting crop growth um, and that you can just kill birds. And again, this is in 1960. Like this, this is deep. Like, like science was pretty far along. <laughs> on biology fronts especially like uh, Mao's a weird dude <laughs> anyways uh where, where shall we go next here um I it like yeah I I that's all I got on the taxes thing okay this is this is a big deal U.S. companies hit by a colossal cyber attack. This is what I teased at the start of the episode as the, if you uh, didn't pay attention on July 4th weekend, you totally would have missed this one. Huntress Labs said that it believed that a Russian-linked Revil, our evil, uh, ransomware gang was responsible for a major hack uh, in their systems. U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, a federal agency, said in a statement that it's taking actions to address the attack, so the government's looking into it. Cyber breach emerged on Friday afternoon as companies across the U.S. were clocking off for a long Independence Day weekend. Quote, this is a colossal and devastating supply chain attack, said Huntress Labs senior security researcher John Hammond. Our evil, also known as Sodin Nokibi, uh, is one of the most prolific and profitable cyber criminal groups in the world. This gang was blamed by the FBI for a hack in May that paralyzed operations at JBS, one of the world's largest meat suppliers. Um, and the group sometimes threatens to post stolen documents on its website if victims don't comply with the demands. Our evil was also linked on a coordinated attack on two dozen local governments here in Texas back in 2019. Um, so this is fairly serious. This group's activity is ramping up. And another thing that I am now starting to worry about, Dan, going into the next election cycles with the Democrat in office is our friends in Russia seem to still be pretty crafty with them damn keyboards in the internets. Yeah. And it really, it still seems very one-sided. Like for all of the, for all of the talk about how like, uh, 
Russia and the GHB, they they just want to they just want to sow chaos in America. They're really intent on on sowing a particular brand of chaos. Yes. Yes. And even for our own part, I thought when you said one side you're going to be referring to like art, we're always like, well, we're looking into that. Like, like, I, well, I mean, I, I, man, I am waiting for the like at this point. It would, especially since- it would be nice. It would be nice to like see on the news. Oh, mysteriously, a whole bunch of uh, server farms in Russia or Ukraine or Latvia all caught on fire for some reason, the same way like we were able to blow up some Iranian central or centrifuges like as, as some... a fucking lib, I'm I'm pretty ready for an angry Vladimir Putin going. I can't believe they destroyed that computer technology factory that had absolutely nothing to do with Russian hacking. Yeah, the the I would love to see that conference because he would still come out and do it. Like he needs to be angry about it, but is usually pretty good about like not actually that that would be that would be a fun conundrum for his translator to try and. Uh, to not like accent, like, cause I'm sure he would be very, uh, very riding a line on it. And so imagine being that translator and having to not, uh, not give up the ghost. Like you, you, he has to clearly understand that Putin is as full of shit as we all know he is, but to not, uh, to, to have to constrain yourself in that way. <laughs> Like it's just gotta See, be. This is this is what I'm saying. I want if Biden gave me this moment, I I would be I'd be like, look, here's the thing. I don't support that sort of stuff, broadly speaking. But like, don't sit here and tell me that Russia of all countries doesn't have this shit coming. Like, Putin, Putin has a receipt. The Skripal poisoning, shooting down MH370. <laughs> like, I mean, like invading Crimea. Like, like. He's got a 10-year receipt coming. So, yes, if, if a cyber's – so long as there wasn't, like, a body count with it. Like, if you told me that they were out on a weekend and that thing went down, like, weather underground style, like, I'm sorry. You're not going to get me to shed tears for a building that was being used for ransoming – Yes, okay, you don't like this corporation or that corporation. It's still not a good thing that a state actor is ransoming corporate, you know, stuff. Like that, you know, no, I, I would be totally fine with them finding a way to, without killing human beings, blow the shit out of some of those places. Yeah. The Yeah, just somebody somebody like knocking knocking out the cooling system in one of their one of those server farms wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened uh for like global I, I, like I, the I, honesty of global politics Putin press conference yeah actually, like, like the one thing that, the one thing that is important is i need this to be a sizable <laughs> enough action that it forces putin to talk about it and like it, it, it becomes this like juxtaposed like you have trump in helsinki and then you have a solo vladimir putin like pissing and moaning about how joe biden uh, unbelievable that the that this could happen and, and i don't know, would love for biden to be like oh no we didn't do that jack no way <laughs> i mean here here we have so like in in our our country that's entertaining ourselves to death uh like we have so much like uh there's like soft soft malarkey targets like the Russians could shut down Disney World and it would be a, a big fucking deal. It would be a huge deal, like knock the power out to Disney World. Like, uh, 
but I, I, I feel like the, like all of Russian industry, I don't know what we could knock out there that wouldn't have like a serious body count. Like you're, you're, you shut down a, a natural gas line. Like they're knowing, knowing the fail safes that I'm sure, uh, uh, is it Gazprom, uh, who, who, yeah, so I, I mean, whoever's. I guess the answer would be shutting down the, like their oil expeditions, like their actual oil mining rigs. Like if you went after the cyber systems inside of all of their oil and petroleum rigs, and like you started seeing on like Rosneft saw uh, the one uh, Ga- Gazprom was the one that they wanted to have uh, Putzo, uh, what's his name, Carter Page. Yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Rosneft's the one that that, that was originally Yukos. Um, and that was the big oil company. And then it got turned into Rosneft. Um, like, yeah, I, I think if you saw a massive cyber attack on the petroleum, like the cyber systems of those petroleum mining operations, that would get, that would send a shockwave to Russia. I just, that would change their tune. That's, that's, it's just all of those, all of those industries. Like there's, there'd be a higher, a higher likelihood of a body count around something like that. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I was mean, just or, trying to think about like, what does, yeah. what does Russia do that we could safely shut down? <laughs> like d- d- make the trains in Russia, not run on time. I doubt they run on time. And <laughs> at this point, to begin I, I with. mean, the, the thing is with the cold too, like, yeah, no, yeah, you like you're, no, I, I, and this is, this is the other thing too. I, I mean, it, who just doesn't care about this? Like, Russia just really lives on this ever like constant like thin line of like you know what? we're we're back to burning wood if you know like if our our national resources don't come to pass here like we're just going to chop down some wood and that's going to keep us warm during this like brutal Russian winter in retaliation <laughs> against Vladimir Putin I want the the highest budget uh most involved clandestine like prank program to be like i want i want like whoopee cushions on his chair uh um maybe maybe some shoe shoe polish on his coffee mug uh you know like the real the real old old school uh uh three stooges level gags i think would uh both infuriate him and keep uh collateral damage to a minimum Okay, so maybe not. Maybe Biden, not by his staff. If Joe Biden does uh, see this, oh, did that to Putin? And like, was like, what? Get him, get him with a hand buzzer. <laughs> see this? <laughs> that would be the great. Bi- that would be the great Biden moment. Biden and Biden, just, Biden and Boris Johnson. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of somebody who seems to grow ever more powerful, uh, not Vladimir Putin, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, our president, has agreed to support the use of budget reconciliation to pass a broader tax and social spending bill. Manchin says he believes that a Democrat-only infrastructure bill, quote, can be done, but hasn't agreed on how big it will be, adding that it shouldn't be linked to the separate bipartisan agreement. Manchin's comments come as the Progressive Caucus told the White House and party leaders that they would withhold their support from the bipartisan infrastructure bill if the bigger, broader tax and social spending package wasn't passed in tandem. 
Manchin, meanwhile, urged progressive Democrats to, quote, take the win on the bipartisan agreement. So the question is not, is Joe Manchin growing ever more powerful? That is, of course, a foregone conclusion. The the question is, is Manchin for real when he says that he's like on board with uh, doing this uh, reconciliation bill? Or is he using cinema as the submariner later on here? We're going to have, it's going to be Coons Coons coming in from nowhere with the steel chair. Um, People sleep on him. People (laughs) sleep on how easy it is to buy Chris Coons. um, I mean, I I guess you could. I mean, it's pretty dicey. Has anybody, has anybody talked to Kristen Sinema since? Uh, I, I mean, are we still, but what is, what is he, he's mansions in, but isn't that, doesn't that just bring us back to 50 votes? Like, I, I, I don't understand. Yes. And 50, I, am am I missing votes is fine because we have Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker, but that's, that's for the, the reconciliation bill. Um, what about are, are the are, are, do we have 10 Republicans that are going to come along on this? Uh, That's the infrastructure real question. bill. Like, and, is, and, is this all academic? Is like, is, is Manchin sort of dooming the bipartisan bill by saying he's on board with the like, is this Manchin yeah, it's, doing it's free, like 3D chess shit? It's free for him to say like, oh, I was I was all for the bipartisan infrastructure bill, but you guys had to you guys had to progressive it up with a uh, with the uh, the reconciliation bill afterwards and tying it together. Like it, it may just be calculated. But, but he shows he shows it not to do this. So like like either Manchin is one earnest on this, or he's being hyper cagey on this like super cagey um i also don't know how much i believe that but like i'm trying to think of like what are the other live options here um like and it's really he's either honest or he's like actually working some 3d chess bullshit here um but but either way Manchin continues to dictate the contours of everything that's happening in Washington up to and including this like last story here that I've got. And I've got a couple of polls before we we dip. Um, Last story here is that the House has voted to remove the busts of people associated with the Dred Scott decision from uh, Congress um, and other Confederate soldiers. But it is dependent on a 60 vote threshold in the Senate in order to remove these busts. So these busts of Confederates and of the judge who made the Dred Scott decision um, may survive because of the filibuster, only further bolstering its long legacy to actually opposing civil rights legislation and civil rights actions. Yeah, that's, there's a, that's, that's a very, a a very fitting avatar for, for the, for that's uh for that legacy of the filibuster and for, for what it represented for such a long time, it, it's standing in the way of removing the busts of the people who once wielded it as a weapon is uh, it's, it's very poetic. Yes. Yeah, as the white majority patrician class goes, ah, but think of the rights of the minority. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Nobly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh. 
It's so twisted. It's so twisted. <laughs> we, the few, the moneyed, <laughs> the, like that—that's a—that's a shadow black out there. That's a that. Sometimes we do the scene wash, uh, and I just use a cat to do, you know, so like a, a of, crossfade. A lot of tra- yeah. a lot of traffic on the uh, on the page today. It's like one of the great things about the kitchen here is that you get you you, you get all sorts of stuff happening um, behind me. Uh, lots of cat action. Um, all right. Last story here. Like, I mean, I've already beaten this into the ground. Fifty nine percent of Republican voters think that Trump won or that Biden won by voter fraud. So even if you don't objectively think that uh, Biden, uh, you know, cheat, like, yeah, you think voter fraud was there and it's over half the Republican electorate at this point. They're not coming to their senses like this is really baked in the cake. I. I the every, every single person asking this question needs to do it in needs to do it in two spots, two parts, and they need to frame it. And do you do you think first, do you think that uh, there was fraud on uh, there was voter fraud at in during the 2020 elections? And then this, the follow up question is, do you think that also applied to all of the House and congressional races? Because I think the 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 motivation, like the the notion that like Biden, that there was cheating, but only on only at the presidential Chicken level like, style che- yeah, yeah no yeah. I, I mean like even my sensible republican friends like really do it, they the second they, they haven't converted but they like laugh at this because it's really like it is a ridiculous premise. the second you act with it at least in this it's a conversation that i've had a few times even out here in blue 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 uh sonoma county california and that that is it's it's a a withering realization for people who are really really stuck in that cognitive cognitive lane and it's just it's something that i i i don't know i haven't seen i haven't seen necessarily uh deployed at the like deployed by national media (laughs) you can't simultaneously question the make or the white house and uh, and yet also question all the senate races at the same time, you know, like, like uh, it's certainly in some of these battleground states. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I like look, was was uh, there was there fraud in the what twenty seats the Republicans picked up in the House? Like this, this is what I was saying earlier, though, and like it, it is a drum I'm now just going to keep beating forever, trying to win via hypocrisy, which has been the classic left liberal approach to dealing with Republicans. Like I come from the Daily Show generation. Yeah, you and I are both children of the daily show and like look i don't there are some people who like to beat up on john stewart i think john stewart's actually like better than he is bad um especially with all this like the work that he did for the 9-11 rescuers and shit like i i think is like forever to his eternal credit um because he never gave up on that fight um but um we come from an era where the dominant paradigm to dealing with the Republicans was point to their hypocrisy. And if you do that, they will come to their senses. Um, Joe Biden, in a certain way, is an extension of John Stewartism. Um, like it's, you know, it's not John Stewart inspired Joe Biden or even Joe Biden inspired John Stewart. I think it's a disease of 
left liberal people is that like we think that we can point to we have- ah see how they see how they um make you vote against your own interests and that like that is going to win the day with people and it doesn't the hypo- when we point There's- to hypocrisy even when we're right it comes off as smug because it makes the other person feel like they're stupid because that's sort of the whole point right you're pointing out their hypocrisy to show that they're being dumb yeah the yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes from us having a sense of shame and uh, feel like and feeling that and thinking like having empathy and feeling for other people and thinking that uh, if we feel these things and we feel shame and it is a motivating factor in us not making uh, certain decisions that surely, surely our, our political rivals must feel feel something similar. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally, I, I totally suffer from this, you know. Like, yeah, if you point, if you go, Chris, hey, you're being sort of bullshit. I'll go, huh? Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I am kind of being bullshit here, like, like you know what I mean? Like, like, if someone throws that gauntlet down at me and really specifically comes at the like, I think you're actually fucking really out to lunch on this or whatever, and like, here's why it makes a reason argument. I would look at that, generally speaking, and go, that's an interesting t- opportunity for me to, like, actually take a step back and, like, take a look at myself. Whereas there is, there's, especially it's the Trump voter. Cry more. Cry more. Yeah. Like- <laughs> right. No, yeah. The, I mean, look, the Ben Shapiro of the world, that, that Ben Shapiro specifically is not trying to have that moment of in- introspection. A Donald Trump person is not trying to have that in- moment of introspection. Yeah. Even Joe Rogan, like, has he changed his views over the years a little bit? Yeah, a little, but, like. He has not that much. If there was this moment, yeah. If there was this moment where you realize, you know, I'm actually platforming guys like Gadside, and they're like fucking horrible people, like like you know, like really really bad people who have really bad views that are like racially, you know, racially motivated views. Um, you know, yeah, no, like there's not that there's not that step back, and like the same thing with the Republican voters in your life, they don't. They they don't care about the cognitive dissonances, and if you pointed it out to them. They would they go, what do you want me to do? Vote Democrat? And that ends that conversation. You're done. Like, yeah, you know, and, and Joe Biden, Joe Biden, you know, the worst part about him is he's not converting for all of his centrism. His brand of centrism is actually a horrible tool for conversion. He could at least be useful to me to maybe catch some of these wayward souls and go, look, Joe Biden is a Democrat who like, likes low taxes and shit. And like, you should like him, but he doesn't even throw off a brand of politics that does that. And that's what pisses me off the most. My, I mean, my, my parents are both fairly, I mean, they're on, they're on the conservative side over in the past 20 years. I think they've voted, probably voted consistently Republican. Um, But they're not, like if there was if there was a a a bridge point like if there was a democrat that my that my parents could vote for it's joe it's joe biden because he's just he's he's basically a republican my like the, dad the crime bill crime bill me. like the crime bill his crime bill speech uh was speaking specifically to my parents speaking specifically to the reaganots who were in their early 30s starting families in 1980 in 1983 or whatever like it's the 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 fact that the, the people I are can't trying to enough. i wouldn't like it but god damn yeah, it if no. he could at least if he could at least sell it i would be sitting here 
on the microphone and tell you, guys, you don't have to like it, but I need you to recognize that this is a politically effective tool. It has serious utility. And it is great that Dan's parents and my parents are actually going like, Biden's a Democrat I can live with because my parents and your parents would be swinging back to the R's. And like, if Biden was actually pulling them and they were going like, yeah, there's my guy. Instead, my dad called me up and telling me that like, Biden's so fucking liberal, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and I want to be like, dad, I fucking hate Joe Biden. You need to, I need you to understand this. Like, I need you to stop. I would still be arguing with them about politics, but it would be, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't hurt my heart inside as much. Yes, to hear him called a liberal and be like, "No, Dad, like he's not. He's like, he's like, absolutely not. Stop, stop. You need to like him. I need you to like him. I need we. I need the fight to be over. Chris, Joe Biden's okay. And me being like, "No, Dad, he's not actually that great. We need someone better." The only argument that I want to be have is Joe Biden is the best that is possible, and me arguing, "No, there are better things possible." Like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, again, I, I that this is actually a fine place to close it. If if Biden's brand of centrism and Manchin's brand of centrism and Cinema's brand of centrism actually held the appeal to the people that this brand of centrism is supposed to court, I would not beat up on it anywhere near the degree I beat up on it. I beat up on it so much. Because it is presented as manifestly obvious and almost that you're stupid to not think this way. And yet when it comes to political efficacy, you basically can't demonstrate it out in the wild. Centrists tend to lose. They, like, like, yeah, Biden's an exception and not the rule. They, they landed there a long time ago by, triangul- like, by triangulating. But if, you, if you're going to triangulate your position... You got to keep doing it so that you move with move with the society. It's like they they triangulated in like 1980s and they're like, nope, this is where we're standing. This is this is the middle. I am standing here in the middle. This is what we're this is what the center looks like. This is what this is what people. One, one other thing too that gets lost in the centrism thing is, is that the, the 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 chief centrist like like if you watch MSNBC these days, I don't know why you would. I I, I like I cannot fathom it. Um, but just suppose you needed something to keep you company because you're lonely. Um, it, you know, Matt was okay sometimes. Um, but like you would see Claire McCaskill on there. Uh, and she is often presented as the high priestess of centrism. Um, and you see Joe Manchin, uh, the high priest of centrism. Um, and what's notable about both these people's political careers, I think, is that their centrism is a form of a political crouch. It's a defensive posture. This is the posture you take when you are losing your state. When your party is like in danger of losing the state, you run to the center specifically to hang on. That's what Susan Collins does. It's not like like what's notable about all these centrists is that they're not on offense. Other than Manchin, who like during in government's like, oh, I, I control everything now. Um, but like, broadly speaking, if you look at their political battle, is in real danger of not getting reelected. Um, he may be done with politics, but like, if he's done with politics, it's because politics is done with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like that's probably a more apt way of putting it. Um, and he's doing this whole centrist routine 
um, in this like flex thing to show that he's got a lot of muscle in Washington, that he really knew how to bring home the bacon in a serious way for West Virginia. Um, and yeah, I, I like I don't think centrism gets highlighted enough as it's not a winner. Um, it, it, even you know, yeah. Joe Biden, Joe Biden's election is going to serve as a smokescreen, but on a congressional level, time and again, like it's tough for a Connor Lamb to get elected. Um, it's tough for a lot of these centrists to get elected. Um, and tough to get reelected too. Yeah. Uh, like Scott Brown doesn't bring the excitement for sure. Scott Brown, great example. So there's a centrist Republican. He wins in Massachusetts. Can't get reelected. You go, okay, well, but but I thought centrism was good. I thought centrism could win where like it, you know it might fail otherwise. I thought people would see the prevailing wisdom of centrism. Um, but they don't, uh, you know, like that's, that's not how things tend to shake out here. Um, so yeah, great place to end it. Dan, where can people find you on the internet? At DL Carpenter on the Twitters. As for me, I'm at DWATG. That's where you can find Don't Worry About the Government. Our homepage is don'tworry.tv. Uh, we now actually have like a guy trying to feebly get information from me on how to fix the webpage. And I'm trying to try. <laughs> Guess who doesn't know we're like half the bodies are buried for don'tworry.tv. Uh, and I am learning all the things I don't know. Uh, the known unknowns, if you will. Um, so that's fun. Uh, if you want to support that endeavor, because that is costing me some money, patreon.com slash DWATG. Hopefully, like, it will clean up stuff. There's some broke... I know there are broken links. There's some stuff that's in, like, the Disney vault, but there's other stuff that, like, we want to we want to figure out some way to make the page look better. Like, it, dude, it's old. Like, it, it, I didn't even build it. Like, yeah, it, it's way old. Um, so do that. So, sub up on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. I gotta go feed these cats. I wanna thank you guys all so much for supporting this show. Until the next one, bye bye and happy 4th of July, baby. Woo. Nixon. Nixon now. Nixon bye, forever. Bye bye. 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 bye.